The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, welcome to the Big Review Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how you doing today? Doing good. You know, I'm I, I'm doing good anytime we have a guest, and we have a pretty damn good guest today. Yeah, we do. So OTAs are opening. We got kind of our first look at what the Giants might look like, sort of. There were some notable absences, especially on the offensive line, where due to injury, Nate Solder and Mike Remmers are not participating in OTAs yet. Both are expected to be back for training camp when that starts later in the summer. But today we are going to talk about the offensive line. And for that conversation, we are going to bring in Brandon Thorne. You might know Brandon, I think previously as Veteran Scout on Twitter, now at Brandon Thorne NFL. He's the host of the Trench Warfare podcast. He does some work for USA Football. He is now the Broncos film analysis for The Athletic. So we have a a pretty fun talk with Brandon about the offensive line. We pretty much went through right to left, breaking down what he sees as a guy who really pays attention to offensive line play and what he sees in the guys the Giants are expected to put out there in 2019 and how it looks in relation to 2018. So it's a pretty fun conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy this because I think we did. Yeah, yeah. Brandon is always great. I, I follow him on Twitter. He's awesome and I've learned a ton from him and I think everybody will learn quite a bit from this conversation too. Yeah, very, very informative. So I really hope you guys enjoy this. So usually save this till after the episode, but uh, I'm going to do this right before we get to our talk with Brandon. If you guys could and you enjoy uh, this podcast because uh, we've seen numbers, they are increasing in the amount of people who download and listen to this podcast. So if you enjoy this podcast, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Leave a positive review, leave a five-star review. If you would like, if you do enjoy this podcast, we would uh, appreciate that. It really helps out the podcast, especially as we go through these summer months and it, it helps it uh, just uh, get seen and helps in all those algorithms that iTunes really does. So if you enjoy this podcast, which we hope you do, uh, please go uh, do that. And so we're going to take a quick break and then talk offensive line with Brandon Thorne. All right, and now we are joined by Brandon Thorne, and we're going to talk a little Giants offensive line, which is going to be, it's been one of the biggest topics 
for years for the Giants. Uh, they've made a lot of moves to try to shore up this offensive line. There's going to be a couple of new starters here in 2019. So Brandon's going to help us talk about these guys and break them down. So Brandon, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. So I think we can maybe start with the newest guy and then maybe start on the right, work our way over. And uh, that is Mike Remmers. I think the biggest hole on the Giants offensive line last year was right tackle. Uh, there was a lot of questions what they were going to do in free agency, if they're going to do anything in the draft. Uh, Mike Remmers was kind of out there. It seemed inevitable he was eventually going to be a Giant because of the connections with Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman, but that back injury was keeping him from signing. Eventually, it did happen, so he is now slated to be the right tackle. What can you maybe just give us a brief overview of, of what you think of Remmers as a tackle? Because I know he was a guard last year, but is more naturally a tackle. Yeah, so Remmers is a guy who I started watching in 2015, you know, really 2014, 2015 in Carolina. And he's a guy who's always won with a set number of traits he's limited i think athletically he's definitely uh probably at this point especially over the last few years gotten to the point with injury and things like that he's probably a below average athlete um relative to his peers at the position um, but he wins with competitive toughness that's really kind of his bread and butter is his his ability to play extremely hard and finish blocks for four quarters regardless of opponent and um, that kind of sets a certain tone to his game that he has. And really, obviously, I think you could see that more in the running game. I think he's pretty good technically, uh, like with his hands and things like that. Um, at guard, if you watch his tape over the last year and a half, because he played guard in 2017 too, a little bit, I believe. Um, but yeah, he he's just not a guard, honestly. I mean, he, he just never struck me as a guy who should play guard. Uh, they moved him there. Because, you know, Minnesota, they they kind of needed somebody to fill that role. But it's definitely not a good fit, and he wasn't very good there. Um, if you want to see his best film, you definitely need to watch him at right tackle. Um, I think he's uh, he's an adequate pass blocker. He's, he's not somebody who's going to do well against elite competition necessarily, uh, especially if he's one-on-one -on, -one on an island and things like that, which you – Probably, you know, I would think uh, as an offense, you, you don't want that to happen very often. Um, you want to give him some help, whether that's a, you know, running back chip, um, tight end alignment help, things like that. It, it, it is encouraging that he's playing against uh, alongside one of the best pass blocking guards in football and Kevin Zeitler. So that could, uh, you know, uh, hopefully they develop a chemistry there and they can work well together and that can mitigate some of his deficiencies there, specifically with guys going inside on him and things like that. But yeah, he's, he's still, I think, could be a probably a pretty good run blocker. And uh, really, I think what he brings to, to the offensive line room, just from a veteran standpoint, uh, leadership, work ethic, study habits, things like that. He's, he's just a valuable presence to have. But but ultimately, I just kind of, you know, at least how I see him, he's 30 years old, which is not old, you know, by any means, but just, you know, pretty good amount of wear and tear on his body, position changes. Um, you know, to me, you know, he probably is a stopgap kind of guy, maybe one to two years. I don't know if they have 
really long-term visions for him or not, but I, I kind of see him as kind of like a two-year guy. Maybe you bring in another guy there to develop behind him sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I like Remmers. I've always appreciated his game. I mean, he's, he's, he's really nasty in the running game. I mean, like really a really good finisher and things like that. Um, and he, he uses his hands. He's pretty crafty. Um, you know, he's had to win because he is kind of that below average athlete by being technically sound. So, um, yeah, just kind of a guy who's easy to overlook and not appreciate, um, especially on live TV when you guys have, you know, when you guys are on, you know, in those situations at all, if you are this year and he's going against really good rushers and he gets exposed a few times in pass protection, he's a really easy guy to say, yeah, he sucks, you know, because of that. But you have to look a little closer, I think, to appreciate his game. But, um, you know, I, I'd say it's a pretty decent signing. Okay. Do you think his back injury, the one that kind of kept him from signing there for, I don't know, it was about a month and a half where it was kind of in limbo whether or not he would sign or whatever. Do you think that could impact him going forward? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the injuries. You know, uh, he he's only 30 years old, but he has a lot of wear and tear on his body. Um, so, yeah, I don't know the extent of his back injury. If it's something that he can recover from and get to 100% again, I don't know the, you know, the intricate details there. But anytime you're dealing with a back, neck, things like that, obviously you're concerned. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't really know. It's hard to say how much that affected him because he was playing out of position and it didn't fit his skill set at all. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to say what the future holds, but, you know, I can only speak to what I've seen on film and, and sort of kind of what I know about him. Do you happen to have any thoughts on Chad Wheeler? Because the two probably will be in competition and with Nate Solder in the training room right now, they're both on the field. So... Obviously, Remmers was kind of brought in to, at the very least, push Wheeler, if not replace him outright. Just what have you seen from him since he's been on the field? Yeah, I mean, Wheeler's a guy who I think should be a backup in the NFL, you know, at this point. I mean, I know he's only 25 years old, but I haven't seen anything from him that says that he should be a starter. I just think he struggles uh, really. I mean, pass protection, it's it's really a struggle for him um, in terms of hand placement uh, the timing that he uses his hands, he's oftentimes late or too early, lets guys get into his chest, can play a little high, uh, just, you know, struggles uh, against, you know, solid or better competition. And it's tough to to, 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 to win with a guy like that. You kind of have to win in spite of him. So, um, you know, I think Remmers can provide more of that veteran presence, more of that, um, reliability in terms of you know being assignment sound fundamentally sound even though he is still limited himself I think uh, he's definitely better than Chad Wheeler at this point yeah and I think one of I guess my offensive line building philosophies is you just don't want to be bad at any single place and I think for Remmers for what you said kind of some of his weaknesses it's not the bad issues for probably being solid and adequate blocking and especially for you know the what three million dollars he signed for i think is just enough of an upgrade over wheeler for that to matter and like you said even if remmers isn't the long-term option there's not a huge commitment there i think the the bigger commitment and in the money and the bigger addition i think in terms of upside on this offensive line this offseason is kevin zeitler who came over in the whole big trade with cleveland originally just for olivier vernon so he's you know been one 
one of, I think, the better guards in the league throughout his career. He's another guy, I think, 29 this year. So uh, what do you see with Zeitler, and do you think he still has enough that his really high-level play can continue? Yeah, he turns 30 next year, so yeah, he turned 29 in March. Um, but yeah, Zeitler, I mean, I think you could you'd easily get another five years of elite play from him. I mean, he's not a guy who wins with, you know, necessarily, he's not like... Uh, I think of somebody like Brandon Scherf, who is just a special athlete out there on the field. Um, he he wins with being uh, an absolute technician, uh, specifically in pass protection, but in the running game as well. Just he's very very technically sound. Rarely falls off blocks. He's really good at sustaining guys with his hands, using leverage. Uh, he's just really he's he's a treat to watch he's he's one of those top-notch guys at the at the position um in the league and he has been for a while like you said i just think that was a home run trade i mean really in my opinion i mean i think you got the better player of that end just i think he's better at his job than vernon was at his job basically so um yeah i i think zeitler is a, a high-end starting right guard so, um, you know, I think the Giants, uh, you know, they were probably one of the bottom five units in the league last year. So for them to, to, to do what they've done this offseason um, with with getting Remmers is, you know, that's a, a minor upgrade. But Zeitler, that's a massive upgrade. So, yeah, that's that's definitely the signing to be to be most excited about, I think, for for quite a while. I don't see why he would drop off in the next four or five years. That makes me feel good because that's a lot of what I saw on tape just from the ground up, just a very solid guard, good feet, good base, usually good leverage, hand Mm -hmm. usage, all that. I really like watching him pull because he he never gets in anybody's way except the defenders. Yeah. He's, he's very efficient. You know, he's, he's one of the more efficient guys in the league. Like I said, he's, he's not somebody who's, you know, extraordinarily quick or fast or strong but he's very efficient, technically sound, smart. You know, you could see it. He sees things quickly. His, his, his ability to key and diagnose what the defense is doing is, is outstanding. I'm sure he's, you know, just to add him into the offensive line room is, is extremely valuable. Him and a guy like Soldier, I mean, those are two guys who have seen a lot of football, a lot of defenses, a lot of blitzes a lot of situations i mean those are two great guys to have in there just from the off the field perspective but then you know what zeitler does on the field he's you know he's the best he's the best player on the offensive line for sure at this point so it's it's great to to get a guy like that going right now the the one thing i have noticed watching him is that sometimes speed can rattle him but you could say that about 99 percent of guys i was just about to add that the games i saw that really happen were like the game against Houston and uh, Baltimore last year, which, you know, moving a guy like Jadavian Clowney in on a guard, is that's going to do that to pretty much every guard out there in the history of ever. Yeah, I mean, unless, you know, when I think of right guards, if you want to talk about it, players who don't really get beat hardly ever, I think they're, the, the list probably starts and ends with Zach Martin. Um, <laughs> you know, aside yeah. from that, I mean... There's a lot of very good. I mean, right guard is stronger than left guard in the NFL right now. Um, there's a lot of really good right guards: David DeCastro, Brandon Scherf, Marshall Yonda. Um, you know, there's a lot of elite guys, but Zeitler I think is is right around that territory. I wouldn't put him on Yonda or Martin's playing field, but he's right below them and still a very good player. 
So before we get off uh, these two new guys, how would you say they translate to a, a zone blocking scheme? I wrote a little bit about the Giants' running game last week, and they had the the second highest percentage of zone blocking runs last year, only second to the Rams. Looking down the list, the, the Browns were a little lower, but still at like 70%. I think, uh, And the Vikings were up there. So do you see these two guys as guys who can come in and, and pretty much just easily uh, translate into the type of running the giants like to do yeah so that's just zone in general right you, yeah there's no differentiation between outside and inside yes there um yeah so i mean i think inside zone you know remmers is a more of a better fit than outside i mean outside zone i think zeitler is a better fit um but i mean i think zeitler can do anything like i don't think scheme is even uh, like he's scheme independent in my opinion so it doesn't really matter but remmers um i think like when you go back to Carolina and you watch him when he put his best film of his career on tape, it was in a gap scheme, um, you know, and then there's some things that translate from that to inside zone, though, because it's more like vertical displacement as opposed to outside zone where you're moving laterally. So I think inside zone has a little bit more of that element to it. So that would fit Remmers better. But, you know, I know, you know, Shermer and, you know, you know he, he, he does like to have some outside zone in there. And that's something that I don't think Remmers is a great fit in. I mean, I you know, I guess he could get by doing it, but that's definitely not his best fit. I think more inside zone, more duo, more power, more things like that. That's where you're going to see Remmers have more of an impact than, you know, outside zone, where it's predicated more on athleticism and quickness and things like that. Still, technique is very important, but but I think Zeitler is the better fit if you're if you want to differentiate outside and inside zone. So I think we're going to just kind of skip over center because I think there's a lot of question marks of who is even going to play and and maybe we'll bring that back at some point. But let's go over to a left guard. I think from the pre-draft last year, I think I remember you being pretty high on Will Hernandez. Is that something you continue to be after his first season in the NFL? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a big Will Hernandez fan. I think, you know, from the first game that he played through throughout the year last year, you could see him improve on a weekly basis, um, which was very encouraging to see. I believe his, his first game was it against uh, Jacksonville, maybe, yes. I think. Um, yeah, and he, uh, you know, he, he had to deal with Malik Jackson, who was a very good pass rusher at the position. Um, he beat him a couple times, you know, and, and got some pressures on the quarterback. But, I mean, in the running game, you, you saw good things right away from him. And I think as the year progressed, you saw him get a little bit more comfortable in pass protection. Um, but just when you look at the traits, I mean, his play strength, I think, is very good. His ability to anchor is very good. So dealing with power rushers and things like that, he's very good at doing that. Um, he, he generates a tremendous amount of power when he strikes guys. When he gets his hands on guys in the running game, he's able to generate a lot of movement. Um, definitely an unusual amount. Not You don't see a lot of guys with that blend of, of power and strength that he has. Um, and I think he's an underrated athlete as well. You watch him pulling last year. You watch him getting out in space on screens um, for a guy that big to be able to do some of those things. And then his ability to finish consistently and that mean streak that he plays with. I mean, there's a lot of traits there that you love to see in a guy that's so young. I mean, he had obviously a bigger transition to the pro game than most rookies last year, than pretty much all rookies, at least 
I think in the first couple of rounds. I mean, he went from UTEP to the NFL, so that's a that's a big jump um, in terms of level of competition. He was very well coached in college, though, and you could see that. I believe his offensive line coach in college um, was, or it was, it might have been his offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. He went to the Broncos, um, and now I think he's in Arizona. Um, he's a well-known coach, uh, so he's he's been well coached for a while, and you could see that when he was coming out. But yeah, I'm I'm a big Will Hernandez fan. I think you have probably a top, definitely a top five guard duo right now in the NFL, and you can make a case that's higher than that. That's kind of the same strategy the New Orleans Saints have been using for a while in building their offensive lines. Just get the guards right and then fill in around them. And they also tend to go with very big and strong guards. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that fits the mold. I mean, with Hernandez, for sure, Zeitler is, is a lot different than Hernandez, but... Um, I think they complement each other well, for sure, and they can win in similar ways. You know, they both can, like you said, with pulling with Zeitler, they both are definitely, you know, good pullers. So you you're not limited in that way in the running game in terms of, you know, the backside or the frontside guard being the primary puller. I think you could go either way there. So a little bit of diversity there, but they win in different ways. You know, like we like we said. So, but it's I think they complement each other really well, and it's. It's uh, it's going to be a really fun duo to watch, that's for sure. And just one more thing for me on Hernandez before we move on. Can you think of anything in just in particular that he needed to work on after last year or just improving as a player in general and the normal rookie growth from year one to year two and beyond? Yeah, I mean, I think dealing with speed on the interior, like we said, I mean, it there's a lot of you know the value in the NFL of edge rushers who can kick inside and even just quick interior rushers that are base interior type of rushers i mean adjusting to the speed of the game i mean that that takes time um especially when you're dealing with some of the players that he's had to deal with um i, I so i think just being more comfortable in his pass sets is is huge um because obviously when you take a pass set as a offensive lineman as a guard you're going to have to learn how to take a pass set against a two eye, against a, a head up two technique, against a three technique, sometimes against wider than that, sometimes against more narrow than that. So you're going to have to learn how to how to take pass sets against each of those guys. You have different set points, um, you know, incorporating different hand techniques into your game, not just wanting to be a two hand striker, but using more independent hands. Um, these things take time, obviously, and then that's not even accounting for the, 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 the opponent. So, you know, you have to adjust for alignment, you have to adjust for opponent, and that changes week to week. Um, and then on top of that, when you're playing alongside different centers or, you know, different guys alongside of you as an offensive lineman, you have to adjust to what they're doing, their footwork, what they see, what they think. So he's, you know, it was – he had a lot going on for sure, as most rookies do. But him, I think more than most, with the uh, kind of the, the musical chairs that was being played, you know, inside of him um, in terms of players. So, get, getting a, a consistent guy uh, alongside of him at center is going to be, I think, important as it is with everybody, um, just so they can develop that chemistry and that familiarity with each other. It's good that he has Soldier to the left of him. Um, but, but yeah. So I think. Um, really pass protection is is a big thing you know just adjusting to the speed getting his set points really down and um so he's 
you know, consistently playing with the half man relationship, playing inside out on guys, not oversetting guys, not undersetting guys, and not letting guys win the corner too easily. I think that's just that usually, you know, comes with time. They get players get better at that. And I saw that with Hernandez, though you could see the incremental improvement that he made, but it's gonna have to continue. So I I think that's pass protection and then those specific areas are important. Yeah, so you mentioned kind of working together with the guys on either side of you, and I think that was especially true early in the season with who was on the left side. I think pretty early in the season, Solder was trying to help out Hernandez a little more and kind of made him guess a little more, I think, uncomfortable in his responsibility than I think as the season went on. It almost seemed like it switched, and Hernandez, as he improved, was kind of helping Solder out. So let's talk about Solder for a little bit because I think he still remains a somewhat divisive player on this Giants offensive line. I think he got better through his first season with the Giants. I think when you look at the production he had compared to the contract he was given, I think that's really where the divisiveness came from. But I think he he got better. He I think he was at least a solid left tackle, which is better than the Giants have had in, in quite some time. So what were your views on how Solder played last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Solder's you know, solid at best. You know, I think on his best day, he's he's a solid player um, overall. You know, a better run blocker than a pass blocker. But, you know, I mean, and I agree, the contract was was really high for, for that. But at the same time, when you're, you have to look at all the context around it, I mean, they were going from Eric Flowers to Solder. They were desperate. Um, I think to get somebody there who was solid, um, somebody who, you know, if, I mean, a, a big draw for Solder is he's coming from the Patriots. He's been exposed to the best coaching in the game for a long time in Dante Scarnecchia. He has 111 starts. Um, he's played in a lot of big games. He can help prepare everybody in the offensive line room, uh, you know, to, to a different level than most guys are that you're going to draft or, you know, a young guy that you're going to sign or whatever. So there's a lot of things that he brings that people don't see um, that I think is valuable. But in terms of on the field, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're getting a guy who's limited in pass protection. Um, I just don't think he has the ability to really get out on – you know, get out to certain set points versus wider alignments from elite speed rushers or even very good speed rushers. Um, you know, he can b- do battle with solid to good guys, but, you know, I mean, very good and elite guys are going to give him a lot of trouble. They're going to be able to win inside on him sometimes because he's going to overcompensate trying to get out there to his set point, or he's just not going to be able to get out there and he's going to give up the corner. Those things, I mean, that happened in New England here and there too, but. You know, I think it. You, you saw a little bit more of that maybe with the Giants last year. Um, but yeah, I think he, you know, steadily got better as the year went on. Got a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, and you know, is obviously the first year for him in a, a totally different atmosphere, different scheme, different player alongside him. You know, things like that. So obviously, he got more comfortable as the year went on, and I would expect him to be more of the second half of kind of how he looked in 2019 than the first half, um, and just kind of be a guy out there who you can, for the most part, depend on, but also somebody who you know, if you have a you know a really good edge rusher that week, you're gonna have to. Um, you know, make some compensations, you know, for him a little bit, but but definitely less than uh, I'd say. You know, if I'm ranking left tackles, I think he's 
I don't know, somewhere probably like in the 20s, you know, maybe maybe a little higher on, on really good days. But again, there's a lot of things that he brings that I think the guys that, that most left tackles don't bring. So you were signing him for a lot for, for a lot of reasons there, I think. Um, but but still, you know, I agree that contract, you know, you, you overpaid for sure. But sometimes you have to do that, especially with offensive line nowadays. Yeah, and it just makes you mentioned him, uh, Dante Scarnecchia, all that more, much more valuable. Just his yeah. ability to take the people who nobody's ever heard of and turn them into all pros is just amazing. I, I'm not sure why somebody hasn't made them made him an offer to be a offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, I would hope that he would deny that because then that would take him away from what made him great. You know, so um, I don't know. I'd, I I'm surprised somebody hasn't made him the richest offensive line coach in NFL history by several million, you know, I yeah. think that would probably make more sense, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, it's not like that counts against salary cap. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I feel that way about several guys, but yeah, he's, he's uh, definitely in the, on the short list of the best in the game. And you see that year and year, you know, year after year with what he's been able to do and develop guys. It's, it's incredible. So as we wrap this up, would you, feel comfortable maybe saying how you believe kind of the Giants offensive line as it's created right now maybe fits around where you think of other offensive lines in the league not so much ranking but if you just want to say either their average I think last year they were significantly below average maybe just around that type of scale yeah I mean uh, I think they could be definitely a, a solid unit you know an average solid unit in in 2019 i could and you know if you think of average so you know there's 32 teams 16 would be average and then you know give or take three or four spots in either direction um you know i i i, I would lean more towards the direction of below 16 um but you know i think you know if everything goes great you know nobody gets hurt things like that i mean this starting five there's obviously no depth so that that hurts um if if a guy gets hurt i think you're gonna fall down the scale quite a bit um so but you could say that about most units i mean most nfl offensive lines don't you know if a guy gets hurt they're they're gonna be screwed you know or at least see a significant drop off i mean that's just the way it is there's you know maybe five or ten units that that have really good depth um so yeah you know not having depth obviously can drastically change that but just from a starting five standpoint, I think that they could be a, you know, a solid unit, maybe, a, you know, somewhere around that 20 range. You know, I haven't really sat down and ranked ranked it yet, but I think average to, to slightly below average is something that you can expect. It, that would be that would be a pretty significant jump from last year. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, so I think we can end this conversation there. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. I'll let everyone know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for having me. And you could, uh, everybody could follow my work on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. And uh, I write for The Athletic Denver, um, covering the Broncos there. Uh, I, I do some stuff for USA Football, and I host the Trench Warfare podcast where we just talk about offensive line play like this. So, those are the primary areas you can find me. All right, great. Uh, thank you very much. And thank all of you for listening. We will talk to you again soon.